Everybody glad you're here. I thank God for you. Those joining us online, the best thing about watching online is that you don't have to be close to me because I am rank. Um, holy smokes, it's humid in here. Um, if you're here for the first time, I, I mean, I really smell good right now. Um, I'm glad you're here. Um, in just a couple weeks, we are going to have a big bash here. You've already heard about it, but those of you for whom Central Christian is your home, I'd like for you to grab about 10 of these cards on the tables on your way out and give them to friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, and invite them to come. I say 10 because if you invite 10, probably one out of 10 will come. Um, and so uh, this, this is such a huge deal. Uh, all week long, I've met people who were here for the first time because a friend uh, invited them. Some of them I've had opportunity to pray with, but um, the love of Jesus is worth sharing. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, I, I wish I could grab all these cards, put them in your hands, put them in my hands, and let's call them the goodness of God and ask him to use them. But if you'd pray with me right now about these, would you please? Father God, just colored pieces of paper, but in the hands of a Christ follower, as they are distributed to friends and family, neighbors, coworkers, they become warm invitations to the love of Christ. Lord, would you anoint them? Lord, would you leverage them for your sake? Lord, Lord, for your glory, would you get yeses out of these invitations? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, did you hear uh, uh, about the newborn uh, baby camel? Uh, I'm sorry. I just can't uh, go on. Um, maybe many of you haven't heard, uh, but there was a shooting in Clinton last night, and um, I've, I heard there were a number of people killed. And so I, I just would like to stop and pray about that. Uh, that's all I know. I don't know very much, but it's just enough to be awful. So would you pray with me again, please? Father, um, We call down your goodness on that, on the Clinton community. We, I don't know uh, exactly what happened. I just know that if what I've heard ha has happened, it was really awful. Um, people are hurt. Uh, people are grieving. Um, so we just look to you, Lord. W would you pour out wholeness on every bit of brokenness that you would pour out healing on every hurt, that you would be a strong help to those in struggle. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now I'm gonna reach down deep and talk to you as I plan, and I'm gonna ask you to reach down deep and uh, embrace the message. Okay, back to the baby boy camel. Newly born, uh, kind of figuring, trying to figure out his newborn body. He's got like a thousand questions for his mom. He says, Mom, why do we have these huge feet with three big toes? And mom was like, well, dear, um, as we walk across the desert, those huge feet with the toes help us, keep us from sinking into the sand. And the little camel is like, okay, mom, but why do we have these thick, long eyelashes. And mom is like, well, in the desert, there are fierce, fierce storms and those eyelashes protect us from stinging sand. 
Oh, okay, but mom, why is this big hump on my back? Well, that's where we store water so we can make long treks across the desert. Okay, mom, big feet to keep from sinking in the sand, long lashes to protect our eyes, and, and humps for water, but mom, why do we live in the Milwaukee Zoo? Okay, I've got one more of those, so get your groans ready. But see, here's the deal. That's us. We believe that we were born for adventure, that we were born for, to be significant. We were born to find meaning with our lives, and yet we find ourselves stuck in situations we don't like where we believe we don't belong. And so there is this inner ache just drives us crazy, a restlessness for more. And there's nothing new about it. Thousands of years ago, God's man, Jeremiah, he said it this way. Why was I born? Was it only to have trouble and sorrow to the end of, and to end my life in disgrace? I can't tell you the number of times in the ministry that I've heard people say something similar to me. Whatever they're going through, and I mean, it's hard, it's hurtful. Maybe they're anxiety-ridden, but they put it into words like this. I don't know why I was even born. If this is what my life was going to be like, why was I even born? There's got to be something better. There's got to be something more. Is there a better version than the one I'm living? I want to say yes, but you got to choose it. My life, who I am, has come about by my choices, my decisions. Your life, by your choices. And so we gotta choose. There is God's best version for your life and mine. But we gotta make a commitment to it. We gotta draw a line in the sand and say, that's what I'm living. That's what I'm living every moment of every day. God's best version of my life. Jesus said, Jesus promised, John 10, 10, I've come to give them life and that life to the full. Well, the Greek word there for to the full is parisos and it means super abundant. God's best version of you is super abundant life, super abundant joy, super abundant peace, super abundant hope, super abundant life love. How do we live God's best version of us? Um, most people don't. The, the vast majority of people, if you're a student, the vast majority of, uh, of kids at your school do not live a super abundant life of Jesus. Most people in the world don't make that their choice. They've never discovered how to really live. In the words of William Wallace, I think I have a picture for you here. William Wallace looks a lot like Mel Gibson. He said, every man dies, but not every man really lives. In fact, psychologists tell us that today, there, there is a new form of mental health challenge. And this new pain on the mental health spectrum, it's not depression, it's not anxiety, it's called languishing. Languishing is this constant, intense sense of emptiness. Languishing, psychologists describe it as an inner emptiness, a complete lack of joy and peace. It's when life feels pointless, like there is no meaning, like I'll never be significant, like I'll never find the purpose for my life. 
There's a case study in the Bible on languishing. Now, languishing, it's, it's not being burned out. It's just feeling blah, blah. It's not depression. It's just having to muddle your way through every. You just got to drag your way. Whatever you got to do, you just drag your way through every day. But in the Bible, there's a case study on languishing in the person and life of King Solomon. Now, if you've never heard of King Solomon, he is super, super rich, but at the same time, super, super empty. And I mean, he just felt like his life was nothing. Though he had everything his heart would desire, piles and piles of the very best of possessions, money beyond measure, richest man ever, he felt like his life had no meaning, like his life was pointless. So he decides, man, this gaping hole in my heart is getting so big, it's just killing me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to put pleasure I'm going to find every kind of pleasure and put that pleasure in the hole in my heart and maybe that will make life worth living. What we've got today, we've got his personal diary. He wrote down all his experiments, all his exploits in pleasure, all of his experiences. So I'm going to take you into the personal diary of Solomon, his commitment to chase after pleasure. In the second chapter of Ecclesiastes, that's the name of his diary, First verse, it says this, Solomon writing said, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look to the good things in life. That's got to work. That's got to make me feel good. But between the period after life and before the, the but, in that space, he tried, and I'll mention, I'll share with you all the things that he tried. And after trying them, after the experiments, after the exploits, after the experiences of pleasure, but I found that this too was all meaningless. And so his first, his first chase after pleasure was sexual. He was a ladies' man, and this dude had a, a massive harem. He, it was like he fell in love with every woman that turned his head. He had 700 wives. That's like 700 credit cards. Hey, it gets worse. 700 mothers-in-law. You would think at least after 650, he would get the hint. In addition to 700 wives, he had 300 concubines. Talk about a heron. Now, the Hebrew word for concubine is Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Model. He just had every kind of woman a man's heart could desire. He had a thousand women at his beck and call yet after chasing every sexual uh, fantasy. He came up empty. It was like having cancer. This hole in his heart, this hole that can be in my heart, that can be in your heart, it's like cancer. But instead of getting chemo and radiation to find healing, it's like just taking a sugar pill. And after a round of sugar pills, what do you find? He found that after all that activity with all those women, the cancer in his heart, the gaping hole, was even more severe than it, than it had been before. In fact, he tells his son, he says, son, don't make the same mistake I made in relationships do marriage God's way. He, he said, son, be happy, yes, rejoice in the wife of your youth. And so when, when, when every desire, every sexual fantasy 
um, left him emptier than before. He decided, hey, happy people. I'm still not happy. Happy people laugh. So I'm just going to laugh my head off. And he turns his palace into this giant comedy club, just 24-7 stand-up comics, 24-7 jugglers and gestures and, and entertainment all the time. And he did laugh. But when each skit ended, when each entertainer was over, the laughter left a hole in his heart. The hole's getting bigger. Here's what he says. I found out that laughter, I mean, it's just silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? Now, I like to laugh. Um, and I like it when you laugh at camel jokes. But laughter's good for us but it will never fill that hole in our heart. We can watch episode after episode of Friends, The Office, Seinfeld, Parks and Recreation, and, and we might laugh out loud. We might chuckle to ourselves, but when we turn off the TV, that sense of inner emptiness is still gnawing at our soul. So Solomon, he's like, man, if every sexual pleasure, if that didn't work, if laughter doesn't work, here's what he writes in his journal. After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. If I'm hurting, if I'm hurting, I'm just going to get high. If I'm broken, I'm just going to get a good buzz on. Now, he says, I'm still seeking wisdom. While seeking wisdom on, on how to have meaning in life, how to put purpose into my life, while still seeking wisdom, I clutch at this foolishness, being drunk. In this way, I mean, Getting drunk, I, I, I tried to experience the only happy, happiness that I see most people finding in this brief time in this world. Now the truth is, when we're hurting, we all self-medicate. Um, and it's doing something over and over. I mean, it could, you could self-medicate with food and overeat. You could self-medicate uh, with your job and overwork. You could... Uh, self-medicate, getting in shape, and over-exercise. You can over-shop. You can use drugs. You can use alcohol. It's just we're in pain, and we try to salve the pain by self-medicating. It's just that those salves never touch the depths of our guilt, our shame, or our emptiness. I believe there is a salve for the soul. I believe, if I could just have an aside, I believe that Jesus Christ is the only healer. He's the only one who can fill the emptiness in our hearts and we can medicate ourselves over and over and over. Medication with peace, medication with joy, medication with the hope of Jesus. Um... But uh, he's just checked one, one more thing off the list. I mean, because when, when, when he comes down off the high, when, when the buzz is all, all over, he feels worse now than he did before. And so what do we do to fix that? We do more over shopping, more over eating, more over drinking, more over work. It is a vicious death cycle. But he checks that one off his list. It's not sex. It's not laughter. It's not wine. Here's what he writes in his journal. I also tried to find meaning in building huge homes for myself. You, you see, this was the problem with all of it. It was sexual activity for myself. It was laughter for myself. 
It was getting high for myself. And when all that doesn't work, he starts building huge homes just for myself. I want to tell you, however full you are of yourself, that's how empty you will be. The more you think about yourself, the more you empty out your soul. So the secret is to think of others. Find somebody to serve. Find somebody to help. Find someone to comfort. The more full we are of ourselves, the more empty. We, the emptiness just grows. Here's what he wrote in his journal. I also tried to find meaning in building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees for myself. I built reservoirs uh, to collect water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. And this mania for more, it, it, it's like an empty well. You just gotta keep feeding that monster in your soul. Here's, what, here's how Solomon described it. He writes, I mean, I owned large herds and flocks more than any king who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasures of many kings. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. In fact, if you will read Ecclesiastes, this diary, the personal diary of Solomon, you will find him mentioning a particular phrase over and over and over again. In fact, 29 times the phrase under the sun appears in Solomon's diary. He tried everything. He chased every experience on earth under the sun and came up empty every time. In fact, here's how he describes what you get out of unlimited sexual activity, unlimited parties, unlimited addiction, unlimited stuff. He says meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Now, aren't you glad you came to church? And maybe you think, well, hey, this stuff is all in the Bible. Did this guy Solomon, did he ever figure it out? Did he ever figure out how God could level him up to God's best version of him. Absolutely. In fact, he did. And at the end of all his exploits, at the end of all his emptiness, he describes the secret to leveling up with three words. He says, he declares, he announces, remember, put your focus on your creator. The one who made you. Over and over again this weekend, as is our nature here at Central Christian, uh, there's all sorts of uh, pregnant young ladies, and I pray with them, like something in the water, I don't know. But I, I do, as I pray with them, ask the Lord Jesus to place his nail-pierced hands on their wombs as he forms and knits fearfully and wonderfully the little one within and to bless every moment of pregnancy, labor, and delivery, and glorify your name, Lord, with a healthy mom and a healthy baby. But in that womb, God is creating another life. In a womb, God created you. In a womb, God 
created me. The Lord is our creator. And there's a little slice of scripture. I pray every day. It's Isaiah 54. And it says, your maker is your husband. Well, that may seem kind of weird if you're a man. My God is my husband. But here's what it means. It means even when you are unfaithful to him, he is perfect in faithfulness to you. As your husband, he never gives up on you. He loves you to the end and beyond. As your husband, he passionately pursues you to the point of a bloodstained cross and a victorious empty tomb. Your maker, remember your maker. Remember the one who is creator. He is large, he is in charge. You see, it's a choice. You get to put your focus on everything the world says, you know, the sexual activity, drugs and alcohol, just having a good time, the good things in life, possessions, chase this, chase that, got to have this, got to have that. You, you can choose to do life chasing after something that's always missing. Or you can do life by choosing the someone who is more than abundant. Let me say it this way. I'll show you. Do life with something always missing or do life with someone abundantly more. You get to choose. We get to choose. The stuff or the Savior. Um, and Jesus, in John 7, Jesus reveals the secret to leveling up to God's best version of our life, putting all the stuff on the side and putting Jesus at the very center of our lives. Now, before I take you into the text in John 7, I want to set the scene. It's Jerusalem, capital city of the Jewish faith. The place is packed to the gills with people. Every hotel filled, every inn filled, every bedroom filled, every Airbnb and every VRBO filled. And people, people are tent camping out, thousands of people setting up tents outside the city. And every day, I mean, this festival is so huge. Most important festival of the year, it's called the Feast of Joy. And it is so joyous, it lasts an entire week. That's like Labor Day going from Monday through Sunday. And every day of the week during this festival, there's this huge parade. And leading the parade is the high priest carrying a golden pitcher of water. And he marches to the city and people are cheering and there are trumpet fanfare and people are throwing confetti. And he marches through the city into the temple of God down to the altar of God, one circuit around the altar, and then he dumps the water on the altar in thanks and thanksgiving to God for giving them rain and the Jordan River and the Sea of Galilee. And now they got crops and now they have water in their homes. Every day. Every day for six days. That but on the seventh day, something is different. He starts the march, they're having the parade, the confetti is thrown, the trumpets are blaring, people are children cheering, but when he gets down to the altar, he marches around seven times. And at the end of the seventh time, he dumps seven golden pitchers of water. He just goes crazy to the max with water on the altar. And I believe it's at that very moment that Jesus reveals the secret to leveling up to God's best version of our lives. Let me take you into John 7. On the last day, the climatic day, climax of the holidays, right when that seventh pitcher is poured on the altar, Jesus shouted to the crowds, if anyone is thirsty, not like anyone, because anyone means an ordinary guy like me. Anyone means someone like you. Anyone means 
someone who's made mistakes in their lives. Anyone means someone broken. Anyone means someone hurting. Anyone means someone with anxiety. Anyone means someone languishing. Anyone means someone with depression. Anyone means someone unemployed. Anyone means someone. Anyone means me. Anyone means you. Anyone means people who don't even give a rip about God. Anyone means the people that you're going to invite. Anyone, anyone who is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water shall flow from the inmost being of anyone who believes. The Greek word is pistis. It means surrender. Anyone who surrenders to me. What a metaphor. What's he talking about? Rivers of living water coming out of us? Well, we don't have to guess because John writes, Jesus was speaking of the Holy Spirit. A river like a flood of life-giving water flowing in and through you so that it's evidenced by other people in your life. They can see the flow of life-giving because you see, our Jesus, he is God who came to earth through human birth, born of a teenage virgin, both God, both man, Lived a sinless life. I mean, it was a battle. He tenaciously fought his, fought his way through every temptation until he knew no sin, did no sin, and then willingly laid his sinless life down on the cross to pay for our sin as our substitute, bearing all the punishment, all God's anger, all God's condemnation in himself for our sin. And then God raised him from the dead that we might have everlasting life. Jesus says, when you surrender to me, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit of God to live in you. Where the Holy Spirit lives, all God's qualities live. You see, only, only the Holy Spirit can level you up to God's best version of you. Only the Holy Spirit can. And what does it look like? How do you make it happen? How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, one of the guys standing there when Jesus made this proclamation, his name was Peter. And here's what he said. He said, here's how you receive the Holy Spirit. You change your life. You stop chasing after stuff. And you turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? So your sins are forgiven. And so you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in this service today. There's going to be some baptisms. And when they go down under the water and as they come up out of the water, they're going to receive Holy Spirit of God. And maybe, maybe you were baptized 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago and you're like, I'm still trying to find a point to my life. Ah, oh, you got to feed, you got to nurture, you got to cultivate the relationship with the Holy Spirit within you. Because if you don't use it, you lose it. So start now. Start now to cultivate. Start now to invest. Start now to deepen your relationship with the Spirit of God that you have received. And here's what happens. The Spirit produces, when I point, that means put it on the screen. Okay, I'll read it off this. Oh, there it is. The Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Friends, that is God's best version of you. That's God's best version of me. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. There was a lady this week, a woman, she was in Walmart and she saw this young dad pushing a full grocery cart with a fussy little two-year-old boy uh, in, the, in the little seat. And, and the father is going, be patient, Billy. You're gonna be okay, Billy. We're gonna get through this, Billy. You, you can do this, Billy. And the woman's just amazed and she had to walk up to the guy and she says, sir, I, I just gotta tell you, you, um, man, you are the most patient dad uh, you're so kind, uh, little Billy. And he said, well, my son's name is Tommy. I'm Billy. <laughs> okay, that's the last one. But the deal is this. I mean, I believe in positive self-talk, but it's not enough. You can't talk your way through pain. You can't talk your way through a broken heart. You can't talk your way through cancer. You can't talk your way through anxiety. You can't talk your way through depression. You need the Holy Spirit of God that just bears the fruit of goodness and kindness and love and patience, faithfulness and self-control. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.